how to make news stories go viral. And Marriott, it's a hotel chain. No, it's a film studio. And what that means for all brands. This is episode 11 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, topic one today, how to make news stories go viral. I've got to tell you, just as an aside, once I did a an interview with the actress Shannon Sosaman, and um, I created a script for her to read. Uh, so that we could play a scene together. And one of the words in there was viral, which she read as virile. Uh-oh. And I thought, okay, <laughs> I'll roll with that one. There you go. <laughs> How to make news stories go viral. This is from Steve Rebell, and it's from Edelman. And um, it's in their newsletter. It's called Storytelling in the Age of Social News Consumption. And this is drawn from a survey that these guys did with 250 working journalists through uh, uh, in collaboration with an outfit called Muckrack. And the research revealed, I want to touch on some of these items from the research because it's kind of interesting. This is the search for the ultimate genome of shareable news. I love that uh, phrase, don't yeah, you? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> more than 75% of journalists say they feel more pressure now to think about their story's potential to get shared on social platforms. Surprise, surprise, stop the presses, Tom. <laughs> 75%. My only question is... What are exactly, the other 25%? Doing? Exactly. <laughs> what are the other 25 What's wrong with them? Um, to make their stories more shareable, journalists are infusing their stories with five key ingredients, video slash images, brevity. <laughs> I love that. Hurry up, Mark. We got to finish this podcast. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> infusing their story with brevity. I just love that. Uh, localization, more use of human voice as opposed to the other kind of voice and a proximity to trending topics. Here's another bullet. <laughs> Nearly three quarters of journalists are now creating original video content to accompany their stories. However, very few journalists are relying on sourcing consumer-generated video because we all know journalists create better video than consumers. There you go. And only 3% are using corporate video, which I don't believe. Um, and then the final bullet, journalists are seeing five key trends impacting their profession this year. More mobile-friendly content, faster turnaround times, more original vid- videos, smaller newsroom staff, and social media growing in influence. I don't know. I think we could have written all of these points, couldn't we? Look, <laughs> you know what? I got to think about this infuse something. That, that, was a, that was an interesting line. It's like opposite. You don't put more in. No, you put you put more less in. In put fact, more is less what they're in. trying All to right. say. Yeah. So look, journalists are being forced to think like marketers, like all of us, right? Why? Because of the. I mean, if you think of it, the complete destruction of entry barriers in the marketplace mm-hmm. for news consumption, and what happens? You get a resulting vicious competition for eyeballs. And Mark, this has only just begun because as those TV advertising dollars keep moving online. Because of the rapid adoption of digital video, mm-hmm. the competition for those dollars is going to get even more intense. We're going to see more and more people going after that that niche, that news business. And indeed, that's what's indicated here in the piece where they say uh, compared to, you know, the, uh, Facebook dominates all other social platform interactions, obviously. They say non-legacy media publishers make up the majority of the most engaged sites on Facebook. I love that term. Non-legacy media publishers. They're talking about HuffPo. They're talking about uh, Mashable. They're talking Buzzfeed. about... BuzzFeed, Business Insider, and things like that. So, you know, this effort to kind of 
um, break down the genome on shareable news, I think it adds up to something. And what it adds up to is kind of summarized toward the end of the piece where they say uh, it's about impacting how news is produced and per- uh, social media is impacting how news is produced and perhaps even which stories are selected for production and prominent distribution, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps that's what's going on. It may affect what stories are actually selected social media. Um, and then it wraps up this way, and I think this is where it really gets down to it. Discovering the social angles on stories, what he calls the social lead, deepening relationships with journalists and helping them create original video content. Now, what it really seems to be adding up to when you break down what is the genome of shareable news, they're talking about popularity. Absolutely. They're talking about the fundamental element that has been you know, the, the, the thorn in the side of journalism for decades, right? This, this balance between what's journalistically sound and what's popular. Well, yeah, the marketplace, it's been set free. Did you know, did you know my degree is in economics? You have another degree in economics? Well, Every yeah. time I talk to you, you have a new degree. <laughs> well, listen, I don't broadcast that one because one of my professors when I was graduating, he said that if you can teach a parrot to say supply and demand, you have an economist. So I wasn't really <laughs> happy about that. But, so, but anyway, what's happening in the news business is the closest thing I've seen to what economists call a perfectly competitive market. Mm-hmm. No one wants to pay for news. Right. Information, what we think of as the value of news, has become a commodity. And since eyeballs provide the revenue to the firm and they cost very little to acquire, well, I mean, I don't have to spell it out for you what happens, right? It's what mm-hmm. we're seeing happening right now. That's right. And I, I, I think this issue of this social lead is perplexing because, let's face it, there's not a shareable angle on every story that matters to a journalist. You know, journalism is not defined by stories which are inherently shareable, where shareable is essentially a proxy for interest, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, listen, and it's got every, and it's got them upset, obviously upset, right? All of us, you know, us writers, artists, researchers like you, uh, what do we call these people? Like smart people? We hate the thought of chasing an audience. It's beneath us. We, we want Emerson to be right, damn it. We want to build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to our door. Which, by the way, I had to look that up and it's actually a misquotation because Emerson actually wrote, if a man has good corn or wood or boards or pigs to sell or can make better chairs or knives, crucibles or church organs than anybody else, you will find a broad, hard-beaten road to his house, though it be in the woods. But guess I can't. What? <laughs> that, that so obviously reduces to if you build a better mousetrap, the world will beat a path to your door, doesn't it? Yeah, but look, here's the thing. When you read about, this is the 1800s when he's writing this, better was an objective quality. If uh-huh, you could true. sell somebody relish without dirt in it, they, they went, wow, this is really good. <laughs> That's not what it is anymore. People today, their personal preferences determine what a better knife or a better news site is. And we have to face up to that. Listen, we go to Whole Foods specifically to find the produce with dirt in it now. Things have changed dramatically. It's all coming back around. It is indeed. And, you know, the other thing about this piece, too, is where it says help them create original video content. I feel like there's this obsession on original video content. I understand all the reasons why. I understand that's where the attention is. That's where the juice is. And that's where the dollars are. Um, But 
Aren't you a little bit skeptical about the ability of every Tom, Dick, and Harry journalist to, no pun intended, to create uh, video content? Go to YouTube and look at the content that's out there, and you'll see that it's only a small percentage that's really connecting. It is very difficult to create engaging video content. Very difficult. Not only is it difficult, but it's really not everybody's cup of tea and not everybody is made for television. I know I did some work with a newspaper brand, you know, talk about old media a while back. And I remember sitting in on one of their sessions where the TV expert was explaining to the journalists how to create video and how to have a camera ready persona and how to face the camera and how to talk into the microphone. And I thought, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> it's just embarrassing because <laughs> you knew none of them wanted to be there. Exactly. You are listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Topic two, Marriott. It's a hotel chain. No, it's a film studio and what that means for all brands. Tom, this is from Digiday. We seem to refer to Digiday almost every week on the show nowadays. And the article is from a couple weeks ago. Marriott's content studio is now a film studio too. This is so fascinating. Um, this is both horrifying and interesting all at the same time, uh, to my read. In an ongoing effort to get every traveler into one of its beds, Marriott is taking the unconventional route of becoming a film studio. Now, that one sentence alone... <laughs> that sounds weird. It's almost like, well, well, you stay in our beds, we'll put you in a film. I know. Well, you know what? If they were offering that, they'd have everybody, their beds would be full. There's no question about it. But yeah, it sounds weird. So the article is about this uh, this move uh, into creating um, uh, their first short film in L.A. It's called Two Bellmen, and it's got dancing, it's got music, it's the story of two hotel bellhops who thwart an art heist at the J.W. Marriott Los Angeles Live Hotel. Boy, I'm going to stand in line for that, aren't you? <laughs> the film. That's funny. The film is the latest. In a, by the way, we used to call that kind of thing an ad, but let's leave that aside. The film is the latest project at the three-month-old Marriott Content Studio, the hotel's in-house creative division. They have a staff of 65, led by former Disney ABC exec. You know, you, anytime you hire the Disney ABC people, this happens. David Beebe, now Marriott's VP of Creative Content and Global Marketing. The Content Studio is divided into three teams, Content Development, the uh, Production or Entertainment Division, and Distribution, a real-time marketing group that monitors social media and engages with fans online. He says their strategy is built on the three C's, creating content that entertains, informs, and provides value, building a community with the people by doing content right over and over again, and eventually, I like the use of the term eventually, driving commerce from that community. <laughs> now, some of the stuff they've done really makes quite a bit of sense. Um, the first project they had uh, was to roll out a travel lifestyle vertical in partnership with Medium.com, a platform mm -hmm. a lot of people are familiar with that we use. Partnered with uh, entrepreneur and travel vlogger uh, and a comedian, and they launched influencer marketing campaigns on Snapchat and YouTube. This makes a lot of sense to me because this is relevant to the brand. You know, this is a travel lifestyle vertical that relates to a uh, a hotel chain. Because I don't care what anybody says, Marriott, it's a hotel chain. <laughs> anybody who's ever walked into Marriott knows. It's a hotel chain. <laughs> it does not feel like a film studio. You don't feel like you're walking into Universal Pictures or Sony Pictures <laughs> when you walk into Marriott. Am I wrong? Well, I don't know. Listen, Mark, Red Bull sold little energy drinks, and now they're a big publisher, brand publisher as well, right? So Indeed they are. I knew you would use that metaphor, and I thought, you know what? 
when I think of Red Bull, I think of something exciting. When I think of Marriott, I think of the lobby of the Marriott, <laughs> the Marriott Airport Hotel. Well, maybe that's the association with Red Bull. They, it's exciting, you know. And with Marriott, you want to take a nap, <laughs> you know. Listen, <laughs> listen. Uh, they're all getting into this now. So what's going on? From a pure intense standpoint, I guess we could summarize it with an acronym, right? My initials, T O M A, Top of Mind Awareness. Right. Which still more than half of all senior marketers find relevant, very relevant. Right. So, you know, what is that? What is top of mind awareness? I say hotels. You say, oh, Marriott, the first brand that comes to mind. Right. Now, how did they used to achieve this? You mentioned it earlier. I primarily did. through just regular old TV and print advertising. Right. You know, mm, mm-hmm. good. Whatever they ran. And many still do. But increasingly, they're experimenting with new ways that will grab and sustain the attention of younger people who are more skeptical of all this stuff. They want to get them to suspend disbelief that someone's trying to sell them something. You know? Yeah, I, and I understand that. I think, though, that it's, it, it, it's possible that, that, can't, that it ultimately becomes indistinguishable from what we would otherwise call advertising. Here in the article, it says, but above all, it's Marriott's aim of building deeper relationships, this is to your point, changing people's perceptions and providing them value. To us, it's all about relationships, how we, we look at how we are changing people's perceptions about our brand and building relationships, fair enough. And Forrester comments, brands today realize that relevance can't be bought through ad dollars, it has to be earned. And I'm not entirely positive that that's true. I think relevance can be bought through ad dollars, and the ad dollars being, uh, the, the dollars being put into this short film are probably uh, reconstituted ad dollars, aren't they? Okay, yeah. So, so there's two ways of looking at this. One is, okay, this, this movie angle, using video to get people to suspend disbelief and, and not realize they're being marketed to and transporting them and creating this as- association like we do through other means of popular culture, through music and celebrities, and then they'll spread it through the social networks. That's one way of looking at this. You know, The other mm-hmm. way of looking at it, and this is just me thinking out loud, is, hmm, what if I were the marketers there? Would I spend, let's say, $10 million on two Super Bowl ads mm-hmm. or I could get into the movie business, <laughs> start my own creative studio? <laughs> well, those are, that's the extreme, the Super Bowl ad. But I catch your point that it's, that it's so much cooler to be in the movie business. But, you know, as far as the notion that somehow uh, millennials, let's assume that's their target – will not feel marketed to because of the quote-unquote short film created by Marriott. Let me remind you, it's called Two Bellmen, and it's set <laughs> in the lobby of the JW Marriott Los Angeles Live Hotel. <laughs> what is that but marketing? I guess. <laughs> All right, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Ranson Raves. Tom, I yield to your good sense. What do you have for us this week? Oh, boy, you might have made a mistake on this one. Okay, so at first I thought I'd address the truly important topic that has garnered all the widespread media attention over the past few days, you know, deflated balls. Yeah. And then, then I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And, and in fact, I had to think really long and hard about choosing this particular rant. I mean, I even, I even sat and I quietly reflected and consulted the universe <laughs> On this one. And, and you know what the answer I received was from the universe? What was it? It was, do it, Tom. The Pope deserves a rant. 
So okay. here's why I'm ranting on Pope Francis. And make no mistake, I mean, I love the man and his approach. Mm-hmm. But it's because of the irony of a recent comment of his that free speech should have some limits, especially mm-hmm. on the right to insult another person's faith. So mm-hmm. how exactly did the Pope express that position? Mm-hmm by gesturing with a fake punch to demonstrate what he'd do to someone if they were to use a swear word against his mother. Mm. So here is arguably the top human representative of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Now, this is Jesus who told us to bless those who persecute us and to return love for hate. And here's the Pope joking around, saying he'd clobber anyone who insults his mother, telling (laughs) us not to joke around like that. I thought that was funny, and and it kind of deserves a rant. Because, look, humor is what helps people create Mm -hmm. tolerance. Satire Mm -hmm. is about shaking things up so we can talk about it, right? So we can engage in conversations. And the day that we take ourselves so damn seriously, that's a day when we have some really serious problems, right? Irma Bombeck said, when humor goes... There goes civilization. <laughs> you got to admit, though, if the Pope actually did punch somebody out, you'd want to see that video. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think he should work with some brand to create that video. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> you know what? I have an idea for Marriott's next short film, <laughs> and it can take place in a suite at the Marriott LA, whatever the heck it's called. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. Um, I have a rant for you, too. We're going to go from the Pope to everyone's favorite television show, Celebrity Apprentice. Oh, boy. I know I'm digging down deep for this one, but here we go. The show that sets back the business and art of marketing by 50 years, Tom. The show that says if the star of Sharknado 2 can develop a campaign for a major consumer brand, then who can? (laughs) The fake contest where fake celebrities compete for a fake job and enter a fake boardroom where they're fake fired by a fake boss who has fake hair. What's not to love about... (laughs) Celebrity Apprentice. This week alone, Tom, this is what you miss. You don't watch the show, do you? No. (laughs) I I was hoping you would tell me yes. Uh This week alone, Tom, here's what you missed. Self-made entrepreneur Ivanka Trump uttered the immortal phrase, fake flowers are not on brand. (laughs) This week alone, Tom, (laughs) a gaggle of Z-grade celebrities clashed in order to engineer that most important ingredient to all marketing, the Rosetta Stone of marketing, the cheesy and disposable slogan, Tom. That's what you missed. (laughs) This week alone, Joan Rivers made her final television appearance, and who could blame her? This week alone on Celebrity Apprentice, famously mediocre coffee brand Chock Full of Nuts sent one of their executives to evaluate the teams, and judging by his expression throughout the episode, he was dreaming of a gig at Starbucks the entire time. (laughs) This week alone, Tom, the legendarily forgettable actor Lorenzo Lamas was assigned to create a viral video. Forget that in 30 years, Lorenzo's career has never created a viral anything. Well, wait a minute. This That's... sounds like a good comedy show. I have to tune in on this. See, now you have to tune in. Celebrity Apprentice. That's my rant for this week. Oh, that's I a just, great I just, I just couldn't resist. That's your best rant yet. Oh, thank you very much. That's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes, on Stitcher, at SoundCloud, or at Podcast One. And while you are there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can follow Tom on Twitter, at Tom Asacker, and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. 
You can read the show notes and share the show at our website, mediaunplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt, exciting audio for media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For the fabulous Tom Asacker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening. 